hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. Hey, this is part two coming at you with uh, our guest, Matt Knox from the uh, DWR. He's their wildlife biologist we had recently, back for part two of uh, Deer Talk. If you did not listen to part one, go back and check it out. Very good episode, and stay tuned for this one. This one's going to be good. The Green Top Outdoors podcast is brought to you by the Mike Chenault Group, hometown realty. They are sportsmen and realtors. The only thing they love more than hunting and fishing is selling great pieces of land and homes. Dream homes on the river where you can fish right from your dock to land where you can adventure to your heart's content. Hometown Outdoors can help you find it. Let our friends at the Mike Chenault Group help you get the outdoor space you need. For homes or land in Central Virginia, visit hookupwithhometown.com. That's hookupwithhometown.com and click outdoors to learn more. All right, well, welcome back. Uh, part two of uh, some uh, some deer talk with Matt Knox from uh, Virginia DWR. Uh, Matt, thanks again for joining us. Um, uh, part one, man, great. Lots of information. Uh, we we, we want to keep um, picking your brain, man. We got a lot of a uh, lot more questions to ask, and uh, uh, we were just uh, before we got into this, we were talking about predators, and that would get me right into my first question. Um, what's your opinion on um, the uh, coyotes in virginia and their effect on the deer herd uh that's a loaded question in fact that's a trap (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh you know the fact that coyotes are here was 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 bound to happen when when our forefathers and in fact us when we extirpated and got rid of all the other predators mountain lions wolves uh bears although bears are bears are still in the state and they're making a tremendous have made a tremendous comeback you know there was a vacuum and there's a saying i can't you have to go on the internet it says nature abhors a vacuum and so what happens was coyotes filled that vacuum so the coyotes are here is logical should have been expected now nobody would have predicted it would have been coyote but something was going to move something in. was something, yeah. something was there's back. some predator yeah. was going to come in because yeah. there's a big prey base the opportunity and, yeah. deer, and deer prey they always say if you if you know, if your eyes in the front, it means you hunt. If your eyes are on the side, it means you hide. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, deer's eyes are on the side, so they're, they're prey species. Now, the interesting thing about coyotes and, and people, in Virginia, I don't think appreciate this, but Virginia, the Mid Atlantic was the last place in the eastern United States to be colonized by coyotes. Coyotes came in like a pincer movement from the north, you know, moving north, moving east and south. And from the south, moving east and north. And the last place, is like a fan. The last place that fan closed was on the state of Virginia and in Maryland. You know, I'm saying, the, right. you know, the yeah. North Carolina. So, you know, that's why they're, they're a recent phenomenon here. Uh, south Georgia, where I'm from, they moved in in the 70s. Uh, I remember it distinctly. You know, now I can't give you the exact year. But, you know, when I came here in Virginia, we actually kept records of people when they saw a coyote. You know, we had kept those records for decades because they're – they have colonized the state. So, you know, that they're here is to be expected. Sure. You know, that it was that it ended up being a coyote. Nobody, I don't know, predicted that. But uh, so we've got coyotes. Do coyotes have an impact on deer? Yes, they eat fawns, you know. Uh, but bears eat fawns. Bears are a predator of fawns. Coyotes are a predator of fawns. You know, all the fawns that are born don't survive. Uh, 
in any system. There's, they just did a paper in Delaware that came out about a year or so ago, and there were no predators, and only only had like forty percent fawn survival. Sixty percent of them still died. Hmm. You know, so is it having an impact? Well, obviously, if they eat a fawn, it has an impact. Sure. I will tell you from you know we haven't seen a decline in a deer herd anywhere on a wide scale basis in the state of Virginia that we can say ah. Coyotes. Coyotes got them. Coyotes got them. You know, uh, Caroline, the deer herd went way down. We hammered that deer herd, and HD hit it three years. Yeah. When we start cutting back, the deer population comes back. You follow me? Coyotes or no coyotes. Yep. So are we still— And coyotes have probably become more prevalent. Oh, I think don't think there's any question. Yeah. 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 Over the last— And the population can still rebound. We can still rebound. All you got to do is control the doe kill, Mm -hmm. you know, because coyotes are going to eat some. You just shoot less does, you know, if coyotes— you know, eat less, then you'd have to increase the doe kill. So you can manage, you know, our system is built where it can manage around the coyote impact. Now, the deer kill may not stay the same, but, you know, we can manipulate deer numbers in the, in, with the coyotes. So, uh, you know, the thing about coyotes and, 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 you know, people have very strong opinions about coyotes. My only opinion is they're here and we're going to learn to live with them. Some people are going to learn faster than others. That's you a know, perfect way to put it. And uh, if they're having a negative impact, we're done. I mean, we're not going to. We're not going to get rid of coyote. You follow right. me? Sure. I mean, it's you know, we're going to we're going to learn to live with coyotes. If it's good, we'll live with good. If it's bad, we're going to live with it bad. Yep. yep. But it is what it is now. Yeah. Uh, yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They uh, yep. like I say that the, the, this predator showed up on the landscape, which is, is it's biological common sense. In fact, it's. You know, there's there's sort of an ecological balance that was unbalanced and coach bring back balance. You know, the predator deer are prey species. Mm-hmm. You know, in the eastern part of this state for the last hundred years there hadn't been a predator. It's true. Yeah. Hmm. Other than a two legged predator. Oh yeah, that yeah, <laughs> the, 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 we talked about yeah, the, the you know the, the boys the, I know are hammering. The, 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 yeah. Well the Native Americans have been hunting them for twenty to 30, ten to twenty thousand years, depending yeah. on who you talk to. So yeah, there's there's been that predator, but I'm talking about sort of the sure you know, the, the natural yeah. predator, the mammalian natural predator. And you made a you the, made a good point before we cut this on how the deer was food and a resource and was prey to every man, woman, child up until 120, 150 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and now they can naturally settle down. Yeah. When, you talk, when people go into these neighborhoods, they see the deer and the deer don't even pay attention to them. They yell at them. The deer just look up. They don't run. That's a very recent phenomenon because for the last 10 to 20,000 years, the Native Americans of this country, if they saw a deer, that deer was food and clothing and tools. Mm-hmm. You know, so for... For eons, deer have had a natural fear of humans that was was sort of the just the natural way of things. They were prey. Humans were predators. Uh, that continued for the first several hundred years that the settlers were in the country. Like I said earlier, when a, back in the 17, 1800s, when a man left the house, he took his gun with him. Yep. He put his rifle into the, into the buckboard or on his horse, you know, in a scabbard. And if he saw a deer... He shot it. It was yeah. game over. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, that's food and clothing, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't let a, a three and a half year old, one hundred and ten inch deer walk uh, well, no, in eighteen seventy six. Yeah, no, you don't understand. They they, they shot brown deer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Antlers. Yeah. Now antlers were better because you could put them on the wall or whatever. Sure, you sure. Know, or make, you show it off to your buddies, or, or you can make something out of it. Make a powder horn out of it. Yeah, but no, they they shot brown deer because deer were food. Yep. Well, there was a time in Virginia, um, historically, I can't remember when it was that. The deer population was in trouble. Oh yeah, the t- at the turn of the century, in the early 1900s, deer had been extirpated. 
right. over the vast majority of the state. But again, that's because there was no seasons, there was no regulations, there was no law enforcement, and deer were food. People shot them. Yeah. So you're looking, the, the low point of the deer herd in Virginia would have been about 25,000 animals around the Depression. Yeah. Today there's 1.2 something million. And you shoot about 200,000 a year. We shoot about 200,000 a year. But of course, a lot of deer die. We not have, including the natural death. Not including, you know, we have a, approximately 60,000 a year hit by cars. Yeah. And then a lot of them die of natural deaths. Exactly. Sure. We get calls every single day about deer dying of something. Yeah. And the and, car is a predator. Yeah. You know, the man in the field yeah, well, is a predator. Too. Not a predator, but it takes out 60,000 deer a year minimum. Yeah. And what about poaching? I mean, I mean, is there a certain number that y'all account for annually yeah. for that? I mean, it's hard to account for that, I'm sure. But you know, people ask us that all the time. When I, when we give you these numbers about the number of deer killed last year in the state of Virginia by deer hunters, turned nine thousand. That's how many were checked in. There's right. No, there's no estimation. Abs- absolutely. You yeah. Know, there's no non-compliance because we know. Yeah. Not that's all based on facts. That's that's how many we we account for it. Yeah. You know, John Doe, John Doe, John Doe, Jane Doe. Uh, so we don't include for poaching, deer vehicle collusions, natural mortality, or anything. You know, uh, because if you do, it's just an estimate, and then you'll get into a, an argument about. Well, I think it's higher. I think it's lower. Sure. So we just don't include it. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, poaching yeah. though, having had a many decades now, poaching has changed. When I was a kid, poaching was much more common than it is today. Yeah. Uh, well, it's is it probably harsher penalties now? Oh, absolutely, than it more was law then. enforcement. It is more harsher people, penalties, more just people. the culture, organization. Yeah. Our culture is hard to get away with. Yeah, greater chance of getting you know, caught. You uh, know, uh, so you know, there deer being poached. You can talk to our conservation officers. Absolutely, in every county of the state, deer are being poached. But I would argue it wasn't like it was twenty years ago, and I would argue it's nothing like it was fifty or sixty years I'll, ago. I'll, yeah, I bet. Know, so it's still an issue, and, and they should be caught and punished to the extent of the law I Man, mean, there's I, a there's a guy in texas his name is charles Beatty. i don't know if you've ever read his books or anything he was a professional poacher in uh, like king and kennedy ranch i think 80s maybe 90s he's got some i mean awesome stories. he's come clean he's got like a tell-all book man he is uh, stories he's got and people found him and i would think it's somewhere 70s 80s they found him because because he was a 140 plus inch poacher you want to shoot a 150 inch deer you call charles Beatty. And, and, you know, he'll go on a seven, nine-day excursion, which I don't applaud him for being a poacher, but the stories he tells and all the way at the end of it, he talks about how it's the worst thing he ever did. Yeah. And he was in it for the thrill and not the kill. You know, the whole thing. It's kind of an interesting look, interesting read. Uh, and I think his title is Prince of Poachers. But it's, it's, oh. it's a cool story, but it shows how, how highlighted he was a celebrity because he was a poacher. And everybody knew he was a poacher, but – you know, taking law enforcement officers, judges, taking all kinds of people in these places that he never hunted. So it was a big deal. You're right, probably 50, 40, oh, yeah, 50 it's, years it's, ago. It's changed dramatically in my lifetime. It's like we talked earlier about we have more bigger, older bucks than I ever dreamed we'd have. We got less poachers. You know, I wish it was zero, but it's not like it was. Right, yeah. Um, you know, we were kind of ending the first part on uh, uh, deer. We kind of got into deer management, uh, quality deer management. Um and as far as antler growth, all that, um, did you? Is there anything else you wanted to to hit on when it when it comes to deer management or the DMAT program or any other programs that are that are probably being used outside of Virginia? Oh well, in Virginia we talked about DMAP, but we got one called DCAP. Yep, we got one called DPOP. Uh, we have multiple deer management programs. Of course, they all are made to address different facets yeah. of deer management. Of course, we have the out-of-season deer kill permits for agricultural damage. That's a big program. 
uh, an important program to the state's farmers, to some of them. Uh, you know, just I, I think the misconception is 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 the deer management was is Virginia or from our perspective is about big bucks, and again, it's not. We don't ever even talk about. You know, we write articles about it for hunters are interested, but we don't sit when we're sitting there talking about population objectives in Carolina County. I can assure you, bucks and big bucks never that never comes up. It's never come up. It's yep. never come up in a single county. Yeah, you know, sometimes the side will say this county, you know, it's got a lot of quality deer management. You know, has a structure. It's and all. it's the only thing that comes up in our in our <laughs> humble <laughs> yeah. opinions. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if I, you I, get forty rednecks together, we're going to talk about yeah. big bucks and yeah, we'll loud trucks, man. <laughs> you know, uh, because our 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 mission for the deer program is to manage deer in the interest of all the citizens of the Commonwealth, yeah. including non hunters. Yep. You know, people say y'all just manage for hunters. Well, I can assure you, our deer management program is not managed, you know, primarily for hunters. It's managed for the good of everybody. You know, uh, now some people may disagree with that, but you know we're not managing deer for hunters only. We're managing for all the citizens of the Commonwealth. Like and you're said, doing a job have, that a lot of people aren't doing. Yeah. A lot of hunters are not doing quality deer management. So if well, if if you're doing it for hunters and non-hunters, as long as it's quality deer management, who cares who you're doing it for? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know what percent of the clubs are not practicing. I mean, if you want to pass up bucks, that's voluntary. Sure, sure. You know, uh, is it? biologically feasible and, and right yes from one perspective but if you want to shoot every buck you see our laws allow that and we'll say absolutely go go ahead yeah. you know it's legal hammer down it's ethical and everything so yeah. uh what is it, the decap program is that a farmer or landowner crop damage that's a crop damage program where when people have crop damage in virginia agricultural producers can get an out-of-season kill permit like during the summer right now they're having soybean damage and get killed deer in their soybean fields what we try to do is we think that's that's perfectly fine and it's legal and the code mandates it but we'd rather have those deer killed during deer season so what we do these people have our cultural damage we issue them extra tags in the fall so if under I'm the a, decap program decap okay and exactly. i've hunted under the decap yeah. program so yeah. it's, it's just it's an agricultural damage program but what we're trying to do is move the kill of those animals from summertime in soybean fields to the fall with deer hunters in the woods right and this again this probably got I guess 600 different properties in it, you know, thousands of tags. It's, it's actually been a successful program. Do you, do you get a lot of farmers that that apply for that? Um, uh, we only issue it certain – the only places – we issue it in counties. Some counties and other counties we don't. If every day of every deer season is a doe day, we don't issue decap tags because you're not giving them any access to the resource. Every day is a, and there's a, there's a lot of counties in this state, Bedford County where I live, every day of every deer season, Hanover would be this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either sex day. Yep. Every day is a doe day. I mean, yeah. When you go out there, what, what's legal? Brown deer. Yeah. You know, age, you know, there's no limit. But in counties where they're restricted doe days, we issue decap tags. Gotcha. And that's uh, that's something that the landowner or the farmer has to approach the state with. The club yeah. can't speak for the, the no, benefit it, of the landowner. It, it's, well, farmers or leasees or landowners okay. have to get that. And, and they have to have damage. I mean, they just – you, you know, can't just get 40 tags. You just can't get 40 tags. Yep. You have to have damage to a, to a commercial crop. And what's the DPOP? I don't know if I've heard of that one. DPOP, okay, it's the Deer Population Reduction Program. What it is is we have public areas, and there's not but about a dozen or so of them in this program around the state. Uh, they could be federal properties, our state properties, where we actually extend the season early and extend the season late to get hunters on these public properties to control deer numbers. Uh and we issue them tags. Uh, Fairfax County would be the best example. There's a there's a whole series of uh, parks in Fairfax County. That some belong to the county, some belong to regional park, but and and the, they've done a phenomenal job over the last decade or more 
taking deer off these parks and they do it with a depot program what it allows them to start it allows them to start hunting the first saturday in september okay and they get to hunt all the way to the last sunday in april it's an eight month long deer wow. season it's the longest most liberal deer season in the united states archery only uh can be both okay but, can be. Most, in a lot of cases it's archery but it could okay. be either uh is that what a lot of people would prefer to is the urban archery program or is it well, you know overlap uh well yeah it overlaps okay. but uh like in Northern Virginia, Fairfax, like Loudoun County, let's use Loudoun because it's a better example. You can start hunting with a firearm the first Saturday in September. There's an antlers, there's a month-long antlers-only season. Then the normal deer seasons come in, archery, muzzleloader, gun. Then in January, the gun season comes back in. So they've got an eight-month-long deer season, mm. and That's most the, of it's a gun season. Loudoun County? Loudoun County. That's right. And over half of it's firearm season. Over half. Two, but, two most, thirds, yeah. but with the exception of the normal season in November, it's all antlers-only. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so you can't go out there in September and shoot a buck, and you can't go out there in January, February, and shoot a buck. But then you can January, February, March, you can take a gun and shoot does in Loudoun County on private land. Right. Wow. And of course, Loudoun's almost all private. But again, it's people. There's like, I don't know if you've ever looked at U.S. Census data, but the population explosion that's taking place in Loudoun County over the last it's extreme. thirty or forty, it looks like a rocket. Shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it looks it's like pretty a, extreme. It, you know, yeah. it's, it's just yeah, it's, it's insane. It's one of the fastest. It's, that is one of the fastest growing counties in the United States of America, and the only ones that come closer is like one other, like Las Vegas County. I mean, it's one of the top three for like twenty years. Yeah, wow. and it's and it's and it's still going in that. It's direction. a very wealthy county, steady going up too. Oh yeah, it's, it's a lot of very lot of wealth. Uh, now they moved to Amazon in the northern Virginia. Yep. You know, yeah. the growth is projected. It's going to keep on rocking. Keep on rocking. Yes, sir. And so again, people and deer. So if, if a club or uh, an individual or a group of people that had a place or got, they've got a, a plot a plot of land or, you know, and they want to they start managing their property better, uh, conservation-minded individuals, it, can the DWR assist them with that in just uh, general techniques or like what – like if, you wanted, if they wanted to bring in, uh, say, 15 food plots on a piece of property, can they make recommendations on – Depending on where geographically where they're located, what what should they plant? When should they plant? Things like that. Yeah, um, we, uh, we do that. Uh, I I personally don't do much of it, but we have uh, 14 district biologists across the state that if they contacted us, they could go out and do a site visit, and uh, you know give them some advice, uh, tell them what you know what to plant and so forth and so on. Uh, so yes, and of course, you know the DMAP program is available free of charge. Uh, you know, that's a deer management assistance program. Uh, they could enroll in that if they're interested. We'd welcome their participation. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of there's, – there's technical assistance available now for free. Sure. And then, of course, there's a lot of this information on the DWR website as well. Um, it's all over the and, web. And, and anywhere. I mean, you can Google anything and now yeah. and, 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 and figure out what you want to do. But guys that are maybe getting ready for this deer season um, – what are your recommendations on prepping any food plots or what to plant? Is if there anything you were to use in particular, this area or or your home area as well, an example? First of all, you don't have to plant if you you know if you want to plant, that's fine. We're not against people planting. I mean, you know, but uh, food is not the limiting factor for deer in Virginia in most areas. Like minerals and salt aren't limiting either. You know, there's food now. Can you supplement food? Of course you can. Uh, you can. The, the food plot thing is, 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 is again, it's a trap because you can go from the very simple to some people almost, I mean, they, they go to, to levels of food plot management. That they, they create screens so that you can walk into the stand. You follow yeah. so you won't be seen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. like, like a screen with arborvitae or, you know, they plant yeah. right. 
some Egyptian wheat or something that's tall so they can walk in. Yep. So, and mean, a whole lot of food go, plots are cut and groomed nicer than the guy's oh, yard. Yeah. Like they, golf they, oh, yeah. They yeah. spend like their whole year right. focused you know, on the food The simplest plot. thing would be a small cereal grain, oats, wheat, rye. You follow right. me? That's the simplest, easiest, cheapest, most – most effective across the board. Well, I would say most effective. That would be an opinion. But cheapest, yeah. easiest. If you, if, you can't grow, if you can't grow wheat, you're not going to be able to you grow anything. You shouldn't be farming. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Find a new hobby. But, uh, you know, so, you know, planning like that. Uh, Should you think in terms of, like, late season? Because late season, when it gets colder, I mean, you get uh, – I mean, it's sometimes food's tough to find. I mean, yeah. do you do you ever – should should – should places think in terms of that uh, something that's going to be a well, late season uh thing. yeah a lot of people think about that and that's Turnips why they plant these brassicas or, or kales yeah. or whatever the post frost and again they're yeah post frost because the sugar set in them or whatever yeah but again if you plant wheat or o- wheat or rye or if you plant a well the oats will winter burn but you can get what they call a cold hardy forage oat which is has less one they stay green you follow yeah. me so, mm-hmm. so that's the simplest don't get me wrong the next step up would be these kales or brassicas or, or turnips or, or, yeah, chicory is a summer. I'm talking about fall, okay. winter now. So you can talk about you can talk about annuals or perennials. You know the grains I just mentioned are annuals, perennials. The best perennials, obviously, a white clover. Yeah. You know if you're going to put something in a cereal plot, you're looking at a ladino clover. You know, depending on you talk to your extension agent to find which one's the best for your soils and all. But of course, ladino clovers are a little more maintenance than these other ones I was talking about because you get weed issues. So, you know, there's a whole continuum. And, and there's more information on the uh, Internet than, than I could spend. You know, we could spend hours. But, again, you know. Uh, is there, is there the any? Main, go ahead. The main thing I would tell people would be is, is, is safety. Believe it or not, it's not food. You need to think about safety. And if you have tree stands, you need to inspect them, you know, rehabilitate them or do whatever. If you've got, like, homemade tree stands, quit using them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, just period. People yeah. say, well, all right, ours are great. Quit using them. Right. If you're you know, not a carpenter, don't be building know, trees. Yeah, unless you're building them out, of, unless you're building them that you know a rhinoceros could crawl up it, you know whatever. But you know the main thing is you know safety, because uh, I, I don't have the, the statistics here, but I, I feel pretty confident saying half the hunting accidents we investigate are related to tree tree stands. You follow me? Wow. Yeah. Not people shooting each other. You follow right. me? Because very few people shoot each other. Right. Thank, thank goodness. So, but you know, but people falling out of tree stands or safety harness, all these things, which are all preventable. I mean, yeah. you know, of course, this should never happen. So I would say, you know, make sure you have rules about safety. Can I touch uh, on the safety? I'm sorry. Uh, harnesses, you know, if, you, if you're going to go up a tree and you're not using a lifeline, gra- I believe in gravity. I've never seen it. I can't. I know. I can write Newton's <laughs> it's little, a real thing. I can write, yeah. Newton's, little, yeah. I can write Newton's little equation, but I believe it. I believe it. As I get older, I believe in it even more. Sure. <laughs> yes. You and know, you're a tall guy. You got a long way yes. to fall. Exactly. Well, yeah. I know. I'm talking about getting up a tree. So you know, just safety. You know, when, yeah. you, when you get ready for the hunt season, my, I've always said, you know, safety's got to be your first priority. You do it one time. You get away with it. You know, one you time. Know you like thing well. you know. Yeah, uh, you keep doing it. You're doing it more and more. I've caught myself before, man. I just don't feel like putting that harness on, but. Oh no! It, all it takes is that one time. Man. Your food plot can look awesome, but if you're laying on the ground broke up, you're uh, probably not going to shoot much yeah, out of it. That's right. Yeah. That's I got right. a friend in my office. His tree stand, tree stand failed on him, not last season, but season four last. And he said it happened so fast. You know, Of course, he had on a harness, and next thing you know, he was hanging there. Yeah. He said he had no, you know what I'm saying? It just, it, it's it can happen to I'm anybody. Not, I'm not going to bitch what kind it is, but it, right. you know, a bolt broke or something. Yeah. Right. 
and he went from sitting there, he went from tree stand. And he said in, in one second, he said he never heard it. Just going. Uh, next thing he knew, he was just sitting there dangling. Yeah, I had a piece um, on a climber. Uh, it was defective actually. Uh, there was recall on it. I didn't. I wasn't aware. And it snapped when it was the like a like a hammock type seat you sit mm-hmm. on as you climb. And it snapped, and I I went straight down, upside down. Luckily, I was only about eight feet up so far uh, at that point, and I went and flipped completely over and landed on my back. Uh, but I mean, survived. But if I was another ten feet up, I mean, well, that knife came out of your sheath. Oh uh, yeah, and, and I mean, stuck you, or the gun it, fell. Man, it freaked forehead. me out, man. Yeah. It really freaked me out, and uh, I, I wasn't wearing my harness as I was climbing, and yeah. it it only takes one time. You out know? of out of inconvenience or yeah, laziness absolutely. yeah absolutely very simple i was yeah. younger and stupid you know still yeah. am but they just hold it just, 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 <laughs> just not young anymore <laughs> yeah well no, no but i think that's my primary thing safety you know yeah i agree uh, with you 100 percent. because uh like you say it happened to you it happened to my friend i've been using climbing stands believe it or not i own one of the baker stands everybody talks about you know, the first commercial stand was called a baker stand it was made in valdosta south valdosta georgia and I've got one, and they were the most dangerous things in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even back then, I used the safety. You know, we used safety. Sure. Is that the one where you faced the tree? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. You had to hug. They had to hug you had the to tree. Had to hug the tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tell. Him, I remember my dad. I think had one. I used to tell him, man, I, I don't think you should be doing that, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to face the tree. Absolutely, yeah. did. Yeah. I have a quick safety question. Some counties have a hundred yard rule. Some counties have a ditch ditch to ditch rule, shooting rule. Yeah. Do you have an opinion one way or the other on one safer than the other, or why is one used and the other not? I will tell you that in, in the state of Virginia, those ordinances are set by the local governments, okay. not by the DWR. I cannot emphasize safety enough. You know, and, and what I would tell you is safety is is it's got to be sort of a way of life, not a ten yards, a hundred yards. A sure. Ditch, ditch. You follow me? Sure. Just a ditch. It's sort of an attitude. Yeah. And if you have a safe attitude, you know, because uh, I just don't hunt. You know. The place I hunt, I feel you – know, I have people 7,500 yards from me in tree stands. And, of course, when the gun goes off, I kind of jump just a little bit because the gun went off. But I trust those people with my life. Sure. Sure. You know, so – And some of that maybe coming from me as a dog hunter opinion, the 100-yard rule is kind of suspect. If you're 6'4 and I'm 5'8, 100 steps, it may not be 100 yards. Yeah. Or the ditch to ditch, the argument – for it is we can all see each other. The argument against it is everybody sees us hunting when we're doing something that doesn't affect them. So I understand both sides. Uh, I didn't know if you had an opinion one way or the other. I, I don't. Like I say, I'm not. You know, it, it, it's a, it's so gray to start with. You yep. follow me? It, you know, it's fifty yards. Well, what about fifty one? Well, you know, what's the difference between fifty and fifty one? Well, it's three right. feet, but you know, what's the, yeah? You know, yeah. so I'm not. Or your shot cone or your safety yeah. zone. If if hundred one hundred twenty and I only went eighty, he might be entering mine. I might be yeah. entering his. Or uh, the likelihood of shooting back towards the road as I get a hundred yards from the road. You know, but you're right. As long as safety's safety's safety just a, is evident. Safety's just got to be a culture. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just a way of going hunting. When I'm going, I'm going, but I'm going to be safe. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to come back. Yeah. I'm going to be safe. Well, and, and the education that uh, that's that's pushed on the the kids, uh, you know, when when you want to get a hunting license or get your hunter education, it's it's. I remember doing it years ago. It's it's, it's wonderful stuff, and I think it's gotten better and better every year. And I think and it sticks with you. It does. It really does. Um, you know. So yeah, I agree with you 100, percent Matt. That uh, the safety should always be number one priority in yeah. everything. Um, you know, you were talking about dog hunting uh, before the last episode, and then you know you just brought it up, and we were talking about geographically in Virginia how it's kind of 
isolated in certain areas, mainly because, well, everything east of Charlottesville, it's mostly legal, but everything west, it's pretty much not. Or I think a little bit west past, well, anything west of the Blue Ridge, is it's it's, it's not prohibited it's not legal. by prohibited by state law, right? By state law, yeah. Um, and we talked about numbers, um, you know, and how how they may differ uh, quite a bit. You know, what, what um, as far as the numbers go, uh, har- harvest numbers every year annually. Is there a particular? I mean, we don't know obviously how many are killed with uh, hunting dogs versus steel hunting or whatever. But you know, what um, what, what are some some things you can share on that with us? Actually, we do. Uh, oh, several great. Years, In the last couple of years. Yeah, several years ago, uh, at the request of one of the dog hunters associations, we added a question about when you when you check in a deer, report a deer, was this deer taken using dogs? And so in Virginia, there are 59 counties or parts of counties. Some, part, some counties are only part of the county that are open to deer dog hunting. And so uh, there are 95 counties in the state of Virginia, for instance, yeah. for example. So a little over half. Uh, so there's a there's a large area, and it, and the best way to say is it's east of the Blue Ridge, and sort of that area. There's a dog line that runs down through Amherst, Nelson, Campbell, and Pennsylvania that the, the department created. Uh, dog hunting is very popular in Virginia. Uh, it's a tradition in eastern Virginia that dates back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, with that said, in those 59 counties, there's areas like Fauquier County, is a county I used for you earlier. Mm-hmm. Up uh, Warrington, up sort sort of toward, yeah. sort of toward Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people would say Northern Virginia, where dog hunting is legal. I would say that's Northern Virginia. Okay. <laughs> Anything above Route Three. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Okay. Let's, we'll use Route Three. So it's Northern Virginia, but yeah. Fauquier County, where dog hunting is legal, but only like three percent of the deer kill dogs. I mean, it's legal, but there's right. very little dog hunting in Fauquier County. Right. Same thing could be said for like Rappahannock County, which is right next to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so forth. But then you can get down, and there's there's three areas of the state of Virginia with this new data that we've collected. There's three areas that are very uh, heavily dog, a lot of dog hunting. The northern neck, the entire northern neck. There's four counties out there on it with King George. The middle peninsula, especially the upper middle peninsula, like King and Queen, King William, Essex. and Essex, Essex Caroline. Yeah. And then down, I call it peanut country, but Surrey, Sussex, Isle of Wight, Southampton. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm sure I missed one. Prince George, you follow me? Yeah. Uh, Greensville, right in that area. In those areas, uh, you know, fifty uh, percent of the more deer killed in all the deer seasons combined will be killed using dogs. And during the farm season, when of course you can't use dogs in archery season, you can't use dogs in the muzzleloader season. But the farm season, you might be looking at seventy, eighty, almost ninety percent of the deer being killed with dogs. So we've got three areas which historically make up the, the heaviest dog hunted area but like I say it's legal in 59 and a half counties so yeah. there's a core there's three cores of three or four counties yeah the, that, they're, they're groups yeah <clears throat> that would control 50% of deer harvest oh uh yes maybe more uh right uh, the total deer harvest around 50% okay because you gotta include archery season you know absolutely season yeah. and gun season uh so you know 50% or just a little above 50% but when you talk about the gun season you're talking about 70s and 80s you know almost well, a couple of them may be almost 90% okay. now so very 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 traditional dog hunting area like i say a large area of virginia but as you go west it declines just and as you go out. north it declines you follow me mm-hmm. so it's not like peanut butter it's not spread evenly across yep. them. well you know a lot of people are opinionated about dog hunting and it's uh you know the, i feel like there's always been you know 
well, what team are you on? You know, is it a uh, dog hunting yeah. or steel hunter? Well, you know, I'm on both. I'm on both. I want to be on both sides of the fence. You know, yep. I, I fully support both of them. And you know, with those numbers, you'd think that. Well, I mean, dog hunters are very important with the deer harvest every year. Uh, and I know, you know, a lot of people may think that. Well, one day we're just not going to be able to dog hunt anymore. Um, and I mean, does that come from a local level more than anything that you can that you can think of? I mean, this is a pretty. People get a little upset about people get a this. A little yeah. touchy, and it's very. And and I'm I'm just trying to wonder, you know, obviously, you know, there's there's support for the dog community, and they play a very big role in the, evidently in the stabilization of the herd. Sure, of, of the state. Yeah. Sure, but I mean, you know, if there's ever any, uh, to, if they're if they're ever going to make it illegal in a certain jurisdiction, that comes from a local. I mean, it wouldn't be from a state. State, you know. I, believe it or not, you know, uh, we support deer hunters, yeah, know, dog hunters, That's still cool hunters, deer hunters, yep. muzzleloader hunters, yeah. as an agency. And you know, those those discussions are taking place. I'm going to leave those to other people. You know, sure. That, uh, you know, they get my opinion. I can give them numbers, but you know, those are opinions, and I'd, I'd rather not express an opinion. You follow me? Sure. Uh-huh. We support Absolutely. deer hunters. We support Absolutely. deer hunters, uh, dog hunters, steel hunters, muzzleloaders, archers, and I. Pistol hunters. I don't know who I'm forgetting. Air, right. gun, air gun hunters. <laughs> air gun hunters. Yeah. There's a lot of them. You know, uh, <laughs> and it's a so good. That's a good point you made, Hunter. A lot of people don't overlap. Right. But a lot of but people they do. Should. They and, should. And they change their mentality just like the the rut will change when it's September. Uh, Andrew's got his bow in his hand. Sure. And he hunts through October. Third week in October, Andrew shoots his muzzleloader and he gets ready for the next two weeks. And then after that, second Friday of muzzleloader season. I can take all that other stuff and just throw it away. And right. I'm gonna put this I'm gonna put my everything, I'm gonna go to food line and get my snacks. I got my dog box loaded. Everybody's happy. I got all my clothes yeah. laid out. I, I went from muzzleloader bullets to buckshot overnight. Right. And yeah. I will not look back for the next seven weeks. But yeah. you know that And but, it's strange yeah. how the light switches. Sure. Well, and, and probably the majority of your dog hunters are like that. Whether they bow hunt or muzzleloader hunt, they probably do one or the other. Right. And when the light comes on and uh, the classic line when the tailgate drops, yeah. you know, it, there's no looking back for <laughs> well, a whole lot of people, and I, myself included. A lot of, but a, a lot of support needs to go both ways on yes, that. If, needs if, to be shared. You know, we're we're all in, we're all out here trying to do the same thing. Whether you're whether you got a dog box on your truck mm-hmm. or you don't, it doesn't matter. We're all trying to yep. do the same thing. And when the dog, and it's important that we all do this together. Yep. And when and, the dog runs the still hunter, the 160 inch deer. He's supposed to shoot it. Uh-huh. That's what he's out here hunting. That's right. And the dog hunter shouldn't be mad because two weeks ago, that would have been him with a muzzleloader. Sure. And, I, and that's a touchy subject. And uh, I know what I would do if I was in a tree stand and somebody gave me a free deer. I, I know exactly what I would do. Absolutely. No bad blood. Yeah. Yeah. But it all comes back to what you said before at the start of this uh, this episode, uh, Matt, is, is safety. I think safety is first and foremost the, the most critical thing. Um that I think, if there's not if there's not a lot of safety going on, that can can cause problems for both sides. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and then can cause issues down the road. I mean, in, in ten years, yeah, I'd like to say we're going to be in the same position that we are right now. I'll Everything's going to be so. good and copacetic, yep. you know. But um, if if we're not if we don't continue to be safe hunters, abide by the laws, then that's what's going to end up causing us more issues in the long run. Oh, I agree. I agree. But uh, like I say, it's just, for me, it's just a, a way of viewing things. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, 
you know, it's it's changing, and it's and you know, so uh, like I say, I'm not going to get involved in that argument because there's there, you know, our board's involved in those sort of discussions. Sure. Politicians yeah. are involved in those sort of discussions. The deer biologist, you know, if, if he has an opinion, needs to needs to voice it. Well, it needs to voice it in a staff meeting. Sure, in the right not, not on a podcast. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. Not on a podcast no, I understand that all the absolutely. Way. Understood. Um, the you know, you wanted to ask about the earn a buck, Andrew. I did I had, a, I had a customer ask me last week. Uh, we use Hanover for an example, uh, which is pretty recent. Earn a buck program. This will be the third year. So yeah. if I am a Hanover resident, day one of firearm season, I shoot a buck and a doe. I'm ready to shoot my second buck. Is that yes, correct? Correct. So day one of firearm season, we'll scratch that. I shoot a doe. Yep. I can now shoot a buck at you my shoot two. at my leisure plus the bonus buck. Well, yeah. Or or they, I've earned one buck. Yeah. Earned my second earned deer. Your second deer. So then I will scratch well, that table and okay. go day one. I shoot the deer, 148 inch that's why giant. That's the way it's written. The way it's written. So, so, I shoot, so, that, so that you can do that. So you can kill yeah. your first deer, and then tomorrow, I see another one, 164 inch deer. God has not smiled on you. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And then lastly, we're talking about Virginia 164 correct. inch white tail. I'm, I'm telling wow. you. So and then lastly, the scenario would be. I hunt on Monday, I shoot a buck as my first deer. Yeah. I hunt on Tuesday in Henrico and shoot a doe. Doesn't count. And, and on Thursday, what can I do? I you can only shoot, shoot a doe. doe. Yep. In the county where I hold my license? No, the county. Well, no, not the county you hold the license. Okay. The county you're hunting in. Okay. Because people hunt in multiple counties. So a Hanover right. doe can only go towards the Hanover earn a buck. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Each that Each was county the county is question. like its own entity. Yeah. What I need to, and of course, uh, there's a staff member we got that, that detests Earn a Buck, and I will take credit or blame. That's a, it's a, it's a sort of a, ma- I stole it from somebody else. But there you we go. Adapted, That's the best we, way. We adapted it to Virginia, but it's a system. Remember earlier I talked about how we had to manage does. You know, yeah. we don't talk about big bucks. And yep. of course, I, I understand all your sure. examples. Sure. But we we had counties where we had these very liberal seasons, the most liberal season in the United States. I mean, just let's, let's be honest. And we still couldn't get enough doe kill. We just weren't getting it. Yeah. Deer population would continue to increase. Every day was a doe day. Hence, earn a buck. Because earn a buck's a system that sort of, I hate these word, makes hunters shoot buck. Encourages. I mean, does, yeah. Yeah. Encourages with regulation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> badge. So, you know, that's, that's the reason we went with earn a buck is there's areas where, you know, and, and, this, there's areas where we just have to get a do, uh, an antlers, uh, adequate antlers harvest, hence earn a buck. Uh, it's complicated. Uh, you know, you could say it's onerous from, you know, that you, know, that you have to do this. But, you know, it, once you – once somebody uh, – you know, if you look at it written, you think, well, that's just Chinese. But once somebody explains it to you, you say, oh, that's kind of – it makes sense, you know. If I right. see a big buck, can I shoot it first? Yes, you can. You follow me? There's well, some, I see two. There's some states, yeah. <laughs> there's some states that had earned a buck, you had to shoot a doe first. Can yep. you imagine sitting there on a deer Absolutely. stand and seeing the biggest <laughs> Day one, buck, morning yeah, one. Yeah, yep. seeing the biggest buck you've ever seen in your life, and I can't shoot that. And, you know, so we wrote it to try to make it more palatable to Virginia deer hunters. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been And a, I figured it was something along those lines. It was, it was encouraging to shoot more does and to level it out. Yeah, you know, harvest. in northern Virginia, there's actually a two-for-one. In, in like Fairfax County, after you shoot a buck, you got to shoot two antlerless deer. To get your second buck. To get your second buck. Okay. Because again, you know, there's a million people in Fairfax, and it's county. all within the county that you shoot it and check it in. It's, so every every recorded, county, every county is its own little management area. Okay. And uh, the first year we did it was 2008, and of course people 
just you know we don't understand we don't understand and and, and I explained to every one of them as soon as he's okay I see how you know I get it now I get it now but of course what I recommend to people and, and I hunt in Erlebuck County since 2008 is the first thing unless you see a really big buck and you want to shoot him for God's sakes you know take shoot. an ethical clean killing shot sure. and take him but if you don't shoot a little four point buck in Erlebuck County first because we've had numerous staff members that have painted herself in a corner. I, you know, I, I call it Erna Buck Purgatory. <laughs> 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 and, you know, they go out there and they shoot a buck. That, no, you know, well, I just want to get one, you know. In I want to get one off and the back. get one in the freezer. Yep. Right. Get the pressure you know, off a little, of A little basket six-pointer. And what do they see next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe and, Naylor. And now, yep. you know, like I say, I, you know, I don't have a sense because they put themselves in You know, we wrote a regulation that does not put you in that sense. Now, if Correct. you see back-to-back John Norris, but I can't help you know. Right. Well, you know, it could happen. I'm yeah. sure, sure it has happened. It has happened, especially <laughs> in the, especially in the dog hunting scenario. Last yeah. week, um, you've shot one doe and one buck, so you have one buck to go before you shoot another doe. And it's the last week, and it's cold, and we just jumped two nailers, and they're going to the Sunshine School Road, and <laughs> here comes Hunter with his new A5 he just bought at Green Top, and bang, bang, Hunter gets a ticket. Yep, but. Yeah. Hunter shot two of the biggest deer of his life. That's the trade Hunter was evidently willing to make. Yeah, yeah. well, like I say, Hanover is a good example. We don't need more deer in Hanover County, and this regulation is designed to increase the antlers deer harvest. And that's the only way we'll ever control deer herds and county X. And you could now there are 33 counties that have an earn a buck rule. Is there a fear of people calling in illegitimate deer? Yeah, we hear that all the time. Uh, in fact, that's the, that is the far and away the primary criticism, and it's a legitimate criticism. It happens. We uh, we actually didn't have a test one time and do it. But what you have to understand is when we write regulations, we don't write regulations thinking about how violators are going to violate them. Sure, sure. We write them totally opposite. We figure, okay, these people are going to follow this regulation. Absolutely. And I answer hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions about earn above. The violators don't call me. You follow me? Right. Oh, yeah. And we got a system. Where, can they get away with it? Uh, the quick answer is yes, they can. But that's not the way we write it. That's not who you wrote it for. Right. The yep. vast majority of our deer hunters are legitimate law-abiding citizens. They follow the rules, and they'll follow the rules if they understand. Because if you think about everybody, why are they doing this? They want to increase the doe kill. Do we need more does killed to look around and see all the deer dead on the roads and hear about the farmers shooting them? And they, you, know, you know, so they sort of in their mind say – you know, this kind of makes sense. I see why they're doing it. In that case, they're much more likely to follow it. You know, if we went out there and had one, for instance, you got to shoot a doe first. You know, I would expect that put you in we, a corner. We would have made violators out of a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, that was not our intent. But uh, it's worked because the objective was to get the doe kill above 50% of the total deer kill. You follow me? If you killed 100 deer in this county, we wanted at least 50 of them to be females. It's done that in almost every county every year since it's been initiated. So that was the goal. So it's you good. Know, there, it's working, yeah. There was a goal, and it's met that goal. Now, That's good. The, the, the criticism, the overwhelming criticism is what we call phantom or ghost does. People just go on the phone and call in. You know, she right. won on Saturday, calling in on Sunday. Well, no, they just go shoot a buck, and now they can't shoot another buck till they shoot a doe, so they just mm-hmm. get on the phone and yeah. check in a doe. Yep. I just got notch another a, one. Notch yeah. a tag, yeah, and, and notch it. But, uh, right. That's not as big as people think it but is. But you, you right. made a good point. That's not who you wrote the law for anyway. Well, we don't write any of our laws that yep. way. Right. Well, you know, we, that's, a, that's a good point. People people always ask us that question and see it from that perspective. But when we go in to write a law, we don't think, okay, you know, how do we write this so nobody can violate it? Because trust me, you cannot write a law that somebody, that nobody can't, can break. Violate, yeah, nobody, oh, yeah. that somebody can't break. Yep. Right. And people that follow the law, follow the laws. They don't usually – 
cherry pick, which I'll follow this one. I'll violate that one. I'll yeah, I wear my seatbelt, but yeah, I'm not yeah. going to drive a speed limit. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. the game laws, again, if, if, if they're mine, they can tell, okay, the department's trying to do this. It kind of makes common sense. I don't agree with it, but you know what I'm saying? Sure. They'll, they'll, they'll probably follow it, but you know, they don't, they don't follow the, the bag limits and then violate earn a buck or yeah. you know, not trespass. Uh, they trespass. If they're a trespasser, violators are violators. Sure. They just are. If he you know, sneaks onto your land, he probably doesn't care about the earn a buck. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know. You know, people, and, are hunt, people are hunting over a bait pile in the state of Virginia are not going to follow the law. So right. to speak they've on already the, consciously decided, I violate. Sure. Right. And to speak on the, the earn a buck and the dough to buck ratio, what's what's healthy and what's expected? Again, that's gray. Uh, like I said before, when you shot when when I was young, we shot every buck we saw. We ended up with all does. In that case, sex ratios can get really unbalanced. In the state of Virginia, our adult sex ratio, according to our bow hunter survey, is about 2.25 to 1. What that means is there's about two and a quarter adult does for every adult male. And people hear that and they say, that can't be right because they look out in the field and they see one buck and seven does. Mm -hmm. But you got to remember, when you look at those that doe group, usually quarter, half of them are fawns. Half of those fawns are bucks. You're not looking at the sex ratio, which you're looking at. You're looking at antlers. antlers, The antlers ratio. Right. So our sex ratio is about a little over two to one. There are properties where- And that's throughout the state? Statewide. That's the average. Yeah. That's like peanut butter. But there are properties where we have more bucks than does. Where they go in there, when they cherry pick the opposite way and shoot does heavily and pass up bucks. And what's the address to that place? (laughs) 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 I'm serious. I know. Good. I've got data where we got people that if you see a deer and it's an adult deer, it's more likely to be a buck than a deer. And that's equally as unhealthy. Well, it, you can you can go it, you know healthy somewhere in between, but you you know uh, again you can manipulate you can manage deer to affect sex ratios and age structures. And is there a right age structure? No, there is not. Yeah. Is there a right sex ratio? Now you can argue that balanced is one to one. Is yeah. balanced right? I don't know that. You know, some people tell you, yeah. Because, you know, but there is no right age structure. So for... There's um, real young buck age structures, there's real old buck age structures, and there's in between. So for a piece of property, uh, a thousand acres, something that you could really manage, a lot of land, um, and the hunters and the people who hunt in that club is eight or ten people that hunt there. They all agree we have a seven-to-one dough-to-buck ratio. Is that more than likely a five to one because you're not considering the fawns, or maybe a four to one because you don't think of the fawns, or a whole lot of bucks you don't see? If you thought it was truly a seven to one, do you think it most hunters can call a seven to one ratio dough to buck, or they're they're overshooting it? Most of them are overshooting it. In fact, it's 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 a it's a it's a little trick or a little puzzle you can play. As long as you average a fawn per doe survival into a deer herd. It can never get worse than two point three to one, okay. because you've always got this huge flow of, fa- of new have, bucks, yeah, yeah or new males, new males. Yeah. Of course, they'll become antler bucks. So as long as you maintain recruitment, it can't get way out of whack. Now, when you lose recruitment, it can get way out of whack. And most of our deer herds recruitment's not way out of whack. You follow me? Mm-hmm. So it's you know when people say well, it's twenty to one, you know, you know bucks don't like to stand around and be looked at. You know, so they're not as visible. Now, with a trail camera, they may be. You follow me? But they're not as visible as females to start with, especially as they get older, like we talked about earlier. smarter. You know, so when you look out there in the field and see those deer, you're not looking at the sex ratio. I you, I, you think yeah. you are because what you're looking at is antler to antler. Exactly. Ratio, and that's not the sex ratio because if there's 20 deer in the field, there might be 
eight or ten of them fawns. So yeah. I I drove home after work yesterday. It was all but eight o'clock. Right time to see a deer standing in the field. There was five does with binoculars. Five does. No, I didn't see any fawns from what I could tell. And one probably will be a mature buck this year. And I went back home to tell my dad, come back. He was gone. All five does standing there. That's a it hit the nail right on the head, and I saw it yesterday. So yeah. that's a, he's well, not going to stand around and let you look at him. Well, the other thing, and this is we talked about this in the first show, is the bucks aren't evenly dispersed across the landscape right now. They're in bachelor groups. Yep. Yeah. So if you see one, you're just as likely to see five, seven, or nine right. as you are to see one. And so it's you, and it's an awesome sight when you see them yeah. together like that. Oh, yeah. awesome. right. man, oh, yeah. nice bucks together. Yeah. It's like holy crap, man. Went wild. You made a good. <laughs> you made a real good point on the does being in a family group. Yeah. They're going to stick together. You might have seven or nine does, and they're probably all related. Well, they're this, all sticking together. This time of year, if you looked in the field, those two groups don't associate with each other. They together. might be at different ends of the field. Sure. You yeah. follow me? But they're right. not going to. They're not going to go out it's there. It's not going to so, be a blob they're not going to of twenty-five. Yeah, yep. they're not going. They're not going to mix together like that. Yep. In fact, they're they're they they they're opposites. Repel. Or even if maybe you saw them in a field together, they might be long and drawn out, and probably all the bucks on one and all the yeah, does yeah, in, exactly. in the middle and to the other end. Yeah, those doe groups are very. They're, they're territorial. Other doe groups exist on the landscape, but they don't mix together. You follow me? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I use the word clans. Yeah, you know the family groups or family clans. Groups. Do, yeah, absolutely. Doe family groups, and they now they on the landscape they exist together with other doe clans, but they don't exist together in the same place at the same time yeah. ever. Right? You know they don't they don't get they don't they don't get along. So there's no perfect ratio. Whatever. No, no, whatever looks like the landscape will support. But of course, you don't want it five or seven to one. And I guess maybe you don't want more bucks and does in some populations, but you know it, there's no right answer. Okay, but it's never as bad as deer hunters think it is. Well, one, since we're on, I'm glad the topic, you said that because I always thought it was bad in my eyes. <laughs> oh, all deer hunters, all yeah, deer, all deer hunters. Man, so many does, we kill yeah. all these does. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said that. Since we're about talking about antlers, you know, uh, let's hear it, man. Before we run out of time on this one, I think we should probably discuss uh, a couple things: um, scoring antlers deer size antler growth in virginia you know what a what a typical score of, of a mature buck in virginia is but you know you're going to be uh the the new the deer classic's going to be at our expo this year first weekend of october i know it's the first saturday it's the opening weekend of archery and i know a lot of people hate that but the expo is going to be here sunday too correct you can, and you probably want to show off that deer you shot last year. Yeah, so you can come right in. Here. The expo is going to be around and you Sunday. you missed a year. You got two years worth of big bucks out there. there you, it's a whole right. bunch of them. That's I right. I got one I'm bringing. So it's going to be at the expo this yep. year. And I know you help uh, the Deer Hunters Association and Denny and everyone uh, every year with that since going back to the early 90s when it was at the uh, the Summer Classic every year. Um, we're excited to have it here this year. I think it's going to be a huge event. Uh, but let's talk about. I mean, you've seen some freaks, I'm sure, in oh, your yeah. day, oh, yeah. um, in Virginia, and and what's probably the I don't know what's the biggest scoring buck you think you've probably seen or you scored For a yourself. Boone and Crockett score. The state record. Want. It was a deer killed by a gentleman named James Smith in Warren County in 1992 or 93. It's the state record. Okay, is it still to this day oh, state yeah, record? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it may never be broken. Mm. Uh, but I like the words you use. They're freaks. Yeah. Because what people don't understand, and, and I use this example all the time, but it's the best example. These really, really, really big bucks are not normal. Yeah. You know, the ones you see on the magazine covers. I Those love are the ones that you hope you well, see Well, I, I, I use the same analogy every time. Ted Williams. 
Yeah. We, we all played baseball. Yeah, that's right. You played it. I played it. Yeah. Andrew played oh, yeah. it. Every, every young man. And, of course, the young ladies played softball or yep. whatever nowadays, thank God. But none of us grew up to be Ted Williams. Right. It's only been none one. Of us, none of us grew up to be major leaguers unless you just happen to know one. Yep. yep. And then very few of them made the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And very few of them have a statue out front of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Ted Williams. And Williams yeah. is a freak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what these really big bucks are. They're outliers. Yeah. You know, they're 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 not average. They're not normal. So you can't manage for them. Right. I mean, you know, nobody managed. You know, the, the Williams family did not manage for Ted. Sure. Ted just came along. Yeah, you probably right. can't grow your own 200-inch deer. Well, you can if you put them in a pen and genetically. Sure, and, yeah. and shoot them up and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Well, yeah. you don't have to shoot them up. You just got to – you got a lion breed, you know. I mean, how do they make a wolf into a chihuahua? Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious. They did. I'm shaking for a right. percent. Genetics is about a great wolf. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, well, but, but you know, that's the thing is uh, it's so rare, and and that's what I like. Uh, whether you follow certain pages like Virginia Wall Hangers or uh, you just just seeing some of the stuff that gets killed or harvested every year, it's it's some some it's amazing sometimes. And I know you've probably seen more than 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 me or Andrew, but. Uh, you know, there's no rhyme or reason why they come out that way or why they well, end up that way. You know, it, well, yeah, they're, like I say, they're just, you know, it's like baseball players, you know. Yep. It's the Genetic same thing. freaks. No, not freaks. I mean, I would call people made the major leagues freaks, but they just have a, you know, they have an ability that you and I didn't have. Yeah. But, uh, and that's what these deer are. They're outliers. Because, you know, the average, you know, we we know what an average year, yearling buck looks like. He has 3.6 points. You know, he has a... And that's an 18-month-old deer, a year and a half year old deer. He grows his first set of antlers. Okay. He has 3.6 points. Is a, it, let me interrupt you real quick. Is a spike always a spike? No, never. Come on, man. <laughs> no. You've upset so many people no, with that no, answer. No, spikes aren't always. I've seen spikes grow into Boone and Crockett bucks. That's, you see, there you go. Are you listening, Dad? <laughs> let him go, man. No, a lot He'll of, get a lot, bigger. A lot of yearling bucks grow spikes just because that's their first set of antlers. Yeah. I always equate it, and of course it's – Yearling bucks are like eight or nine, ten year old boys. You know, if yeah. you wanted to manage for mature males, I don't know when we say, you know, some people say some of them are never mature, but, right. <laughs> you know, physically, you know, 30 or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I don't know what it is. To touch on the spike, is he a year ahead or a year behind? He could be a late fawn. Okay. That's one thing that can account for spikes, but no, he will, he will eventually catch up. Okay. Okay. That's good to the, hear. The vast, vast majority of them. That yearling buck will be 3.6 points. It'll have a beam diameter about 16 millimeters, which is about as big as a nickel, and have about a six or seven inch spread. These yeah. little, these people have a little basket rack, four or five points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the time he's two and a half, he'll average like seven point something points. His beam diameter will be almost a quarter big, and he'll be 13, 14 inches, you know, still That's inside the ears. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. Three and a half, he's going to be eight points. He's going to have like a 30 something, 32 millimeter beam, which is, you know, getting toward a half dollar size. A 16-inch spread. Believe it or not, you know the the jump they make in antler growth from a year and a half to two and a half is huge, and then two and a half to three and a half is big. But it starts going down after three and a half, and he gets even smaller. So by the time you got a deer that's three and a half years old, you're looking at. So are they losing diameter, or they're losing oh, no. everything? No, no, I they're mean, not losing. They're gaining, but they're not gaining. Oh, they're not okay. The no, right, right. The increase you know, is smaller. The slope, okay. The slope of the increase yep. jumps huge from a year and a half to two, and that's the whole secret behind quality deer management. You put a couple years on these deer, and they change from a just make them get a little a, older. A four point eight inch spread to a eight point sixteen inch spread. Two yeah. years gets you that. Yep. So that's the secret of quality deer management. It works, but once you get past three and a half, the increases become much more incremental. And, you know, a deer reaches his maximum physical uh, size is, say, four and a half, five and a half to seven and a half. Yeah. 
but he's not going to survive in Virginia. He ain't going to no. make it. <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. Now, we got some clubs where he does it, but the average person, once, the, once that deer gets to a 16-inch, eight-point, you know, three-and-a-half-year-old deer. His clock average, is ticking. Well, yeah, he, he's seen by a deer hunter with with the vast majority of deer hunters are going to take that deer. Yep. Well, they, I mean, and that's a half-dollar, 16-inch, eight-pointer. A little, little smaller than a half-dollar, 16-inch, eight-pointer. Okay. The older they get, do they traditionally – sometimes they don't their, – their brow tines get shorter or they don't have brow tines or – Well, usually – as they get very old, and of course this doesn't happen to very many deer in Virginia, they begin to get kicker points and yeah. top tines and sticker points, and so so you know, like I like me, I've got moles, and you know, as I've gotten older, they they get those things. Uh, but generally, the, once a deer gets a certain size or shape rack, it stays that way unless he gets an injury. Right. So you know, if you have this tall rack with long brow tines, he'll be tall rack with long brow tines next year, unless something maybe plus or minus a point or two. Yeah, but, okay. You know, they can lose or gain a point. But it right. should be the same shape. You talk about age, nutrition, and genetics. Yeah. You know, it's easy to manage age. You can manage nutrition by food plots or, sure. or habitat. Yeah. But age, you can just manage by passing up them when they're young and. You know, nutrition you can manage, but genetics you can't manage. And in free-range deer herds. Now, inside a deer pen, which is illegal, by the way, in Virginia, you can't put deer in a pen. You know, so you, you nobody's ever looked through a scope and see the genes of a deer. Right. But, you know, so but we, we the, the good news is we have good genetics. And, you know, we don't have a genetic issue in Virginia. I say over most areas we don't have a nutrition uh, issue. Right. You know, we can we can make it better with food plots and you know and cycle soybean, crops and acorn soybean, years yeah, and acorn, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But uh, age is age is pretty easy to manage. You a corn guy or soybean guy? Any agricultural crop, sort of. This out of a bag or uh, is this plant? No, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. I've already hopefully said that much. I guess feeding and baiting, but uh, as long as you know, other than if it's not tobacco or cotton, they'll eat it's, it. It's good for deer. Yeah, I'm a soybean man. Oh, yeah, soybeans. I've had, I've had oh, soybean. better luck in well, soybeans are better. Well, think about it. Soybeans are better when they're green growing. Of course, the soybean farmers have a fit here and say that, but because uh, of tremendous protein levels and nutrition, palatable and all that, corn's actually better in the in the winter when it's dry. You know, they knock it over and eat the corn off the cob, mm-hmm. get the carbs. But I've actually seen them eat soybeans off when if they leave soybeans hanging in the field. I've yeah. seen them eat the dry beans out of the pods. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. I know. see it every, every other year. And of course, those yeah. are. 20-something percent. I forget what – those things would just be pure protein. Yeah. But see, a deer doesn't need protein in the fall and because that's when it's putting on fat. Protein doesn't put on fat. It needs right. carbohydrates. It needs that protein in spring and summer. Deer grow in spring and summer. They put on fat in the fall. They burn it in the winter. So that sweet spot, you're getting ready to touch it, four and a half to seven and a half, yeah. realistically about four and a half, five and a half. Yeah, by the time it's five and a half, if there's any gain in antler, it's just infinitesimal. Okay, you know, infantile, big jump between one and two, big jump between two and three, a smaller, much smaller between three and four, and after that, infinitesimal. So if you're gonna shoot him or you're gonna see him at three and a half years old, he's a hundred inch deer, ninety inch deer, hundred inch deer, roughly. Uh, I, he probably in Virginia he'd average more than that, but it wouldn't be much. Yeah, what you gotta understand, yeah, let's 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 just make up a number, and I'm just making this number, but it'd be close. Let's say a three and a half year old deer averaged one twenty five. That's a bell curve. You follow me? Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers the bell curve from high school. That's the average. So if you got one out here that's, you know, in the 150 class, you know, one that everybody wants, for every 150, there's got to be a one. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Sure. For every outstanding, there had to be the person like me that couldn't hit a curveball. You know, you right. sure. I used Ted Williams. Right. Yeah. You know, I didn't make it, I didn't cut it. But, you know, when people look at this, you know, you can come up with these averages and it's not as high as people think. Uh, 
That's what you feel the Virginia average roughly. Oh, I, I, I made it up. It's just a yeah, just a loose number. Yeah, okay, just, but I, we actually wrote an article, and I could give you the data for Texas and Mississippi, and our data would be virtually identical. I just don't remember that number. Sure, I don't, I don't sure. want to say you know it's one twenty six, but I got an article I could give it to you. And uh, I would it's, feel one ten to one twenty is yeah. probably close for a yeah. three and a half year old deer. Three and a half year old deer is going to be eight point sixteen inches. Uh, beam diameter low thir- thirty to thirty five millimeters, and, then, and that's based on thirty five. I mean, that's not a guess. That's, sure, that's what a three and a half year old deer looks like in Virginia. In yeah. the following year, he's he may make the jump if we're using hard numbers from one twenty five to one forty. Oh no, not that much. That's a, one ten points, maybe ten inches. I could give you. The, I can give it to you exactly. I'm not okay. going to do it on the radio. Not going to guess. On the podcast. I'm not going to guess. But no, it wouldn't be near that much. Okay, right. The jump between three and four would be it's lower. It's just a than very that. slow slope to five and a half to six and a half. Now a three and a half year old. Just like this. You follow me? Yep. Yeah. There's one. There's two. There's three. There's four. It just it practically stalls. For all practical, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're a statistician, no, it went up point zero. Yeah, yeah, zero five two percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. exactly. Now, would a would a freak like we were talking about earlier, a three and a half year old freak, obviously, you know, he could be quite a bit larger than oh, yeah, what we're talking be, he about. Could be this out here. He could be one fifty at three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, and is anybody? But, but, but what you gotta understand, he's probably one out of a hundred. Yes. Sure. You yeah. know, where the seventy out of a hundred are back there. And that's that's my Ted Williams example, you know. Yeah. What people want to do, and what they see on these magazines, are the outliers. They're not normal. Yeah. You know. You, you, I mean, I, double you, drop time, hundred seventy yeah. deer, certainly yeah, exactly. not normal. Oh, yeah. Well, I love these magazines. You see these pictures of these two ginormous bucks together. You know. Well, we're deer hunters. Do old bucks like having their pictures? I mean, these are tame deer in pens. These, yeah. these aren't real yeah. deer. Right. You know, they're not real at all. I mean, they're. They're, manufactured they're manufactured sure. <laughs> right. they're you know? yeah and exactly so people yeah. that's what i want to shoot well they're not real right you, know, you hunt I, your whole life never seen yeah, one it's like, like well we you know we had a place on our on our property we call it we call it jurassic park <laughs> because usually there's always a couple freaks running around up there well what we we think of freaks you know in our yeah. area uh, i'm not telling you where it is Andrew, i, I don't asking. even know i'm good but uh i mean it's just it was always it was always some you know that's what we called it but that's kind of what those fenced in places where these manufactured deer mm-hmm. are it's, it's it's like a jurassic it's a park show, yeah. yeah oh it's an, it's it's sad what they've done to deer they've they've got deer now that can't even hold their heads up uh-huh. i mean literally not literally cannot hold for once in a while they can throw their head up for like one second and hold it and then they had head yeah they're yeah. growing five and seven hundred inches of antler <laughs> on a white tail they're growing 300 antlers 300 inches plus on yearling deer wow our yearling, Good our night. yearling deer wouldn't score 30 you know what i'm saying yeah, right. yeah, I, I, 30, I 30 inches yeah, 30 right. or 30 40 inches or something but they're growing right. 300 inches mm. i mean it's just it's, it's obscene to the nth degree yeah and forever and in, and in my eyes and in my experience with the virginia deer hunter the score does not determine whether you shoot him or don't shoot him. No. At least with the people I know and people I hunt with, is he big? Do I shoot him? Yes or no. Or do I want to burn a buck tag today? Yes yeah. or no. Or are the dogs running this deer? Yes or no. I think it's a, it's a little harder to manage the deer in Virginia because it's not a scoring state, air quotes, scoring state. If we're going to shoot big deer. We're not going to shoot 140-inch-plus deer. We're just going to shoot big deer. So big deer yeah. might be a six-pointer, 24 inches wide. He scores 110 points. It might be a, a ten pointer that's seventy inches wide and he scores three hundred points. Yeah. You know, it's a, is he big or is he not big? Uh, I I think that's a good point. I think 
every deer hunter goes to sleep the night before deer season dreaming about shooting a big deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's a universal. When I was a kid, I remember I couldn't go to sleep. No one so excited, that, yeah. you know, because you don't know what's out there. Of course, there. I never did, but that didn't keep me from staying awake thinking sure. I was going to the next day. But you know, most people in deer in Virginia go deer hunt for the meat. Yeah, if yep. they didn't, they wouldn't go. You think it's big, um, over over fifty percent? I think it's ninety. Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's people who kill big bucks. There's people who routinely kill them. But you know, if if you just went for the big bucks, I mean, do you kill a nice? And most people don't kill but one every couple of years. You follow yeah. me? Yeah. I mean, some people are really good and have a really good property. They're very and fortunate. Yeah. And too. kill one every year or sometimes multiple years, but yeah. that's not the average. I mean, why would you go do something that you know that, that's only going to pay a dividend? I don't know every two second, deer every ten years you know, maybe whatever yeah. you know it's different for every deer hunt sure sure no, people deer that's, hunt for the meat that's good to know where that three and a, that three and a half year old deer sits well that's the, he made a big jump and he's going to plateau there's something about eight points and uh, I've never you know it's got nothing to do with the score but there's something about eight points that's just sort of sacred to deer hunters sure yeah yeah and, and until you're a deer until you're a deer hunter I can't explain it to you. But they've actually done papers, and they give them all these antler characteristics. And the thing that grades out the highest for being a nice deer, you follow me, the kind of deer I want is eight points. Yep. Really? It really doesn't matter if his beams were this big or this big or his spread was 16 or 24 inches. You know, I shot an eight-pointer. Yep. Yeah. Was, you know, when I was a kid, I shot an eight-pointer. He wasn't that, real big, but he had eight points. Eight, the, eight, yeah. Eight-pointers, you're in the club. I yeah. lost <laughs> it. I had, yeah. a, I had one of the biggest swipes well, I'd ever Virginia killed. Virginia scores was, on seven or fewer, and yeah. then eight to ten. Yeah. Eight's where you make the jump. Well, I killed a giant seven. You know, I lost it in a house fire, actually. I had it mounted, but it was like I lost it in a house fire. It was a giant seven. And all of people said, oh, it's just a seven. I'm like, look at him. Look at him. That's the biggest seven yeah. I've ever seen, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a giant. And, and, I mean, a deer my dad killed uh, about 10 years ago was 205 pounds on yeah. the hoof. 204 on 204. the hoof. 204. Sorry, you got was, one 205. Mine was 205. But he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he was 22 by 22. He was as wide as he was tall, and he was huge. And, you know, it, it looked like your wrist going all the way to the tip. He's a 13-inch G2. He's a monster deer. He's got seven points. Yeah. Clean seven points. No yeah. kickers, no yeah. no nothing. Just a nice big seven point. But to a lot of people, I wouldn't mount him. He only had seven points. Well, is he big or is he not uh, big? Yeah. And and what you mount and what you shoot is up to you and what he mounts Absolutely. and what he shoots is up to him. Yeah. And I had another kicker on this on the buck size and chart. I'm really glad you said something about that 16, 18 inches. What's the quote unquote buck rule? If you as an opinion could could favor one, is it a bucket? Is it 18 inches? Is it does it drop your jaw or not? Or like you know, a let them grow or let, let them go, let them grow let them go type thing. Because yeah, I, yeah. I hate the bucket rule. This is 15 inches. I hate the 18 inch rule. 18 or bigger. Well, one more year and he'd have been 20. You're, you're right. You're catching him right before his peak. You know, in my eyes. And everyone has a different opinion. Everyone has different facts. So. Well, you know, uh, there is no right rule. Again, you're talking. It's a trap. It's gray. Yes. One of the nicest bucks I've ever seen. Uh, wrote a great article about him, one of the best articles I've ever written. I called him Limpy. I didn't kill him, but somebody else killed him at five and a half, but he only had like a 12-inch spread, and I'll tell you, he was one of the most amazing deer I've ever seen. So yeah, it tells you I'm not a big that fan 16 of, inch tells you I'm not right. a big fan yeah. of spread. That 16-inch right. rule doesn't oh, do anything his, for his you. His antlers look like trees growing out yeah. of his head, but they just grew straight up. And, and wow. same with a points rule. Yeah. If you had an eight-point rule and you yeah. shoot and a, no a nail ex- or seven-pointer. But there's no explaining that either. I mean, there was no – was there an injury that he probably oh, no, caused that? Just, no, that's, that's just it. how he was. That's the way he was. Something like yeah. a cypress tree yeah. going off. Send you all the article if you're interested. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But you know, spread spread is is, is has problems. Points has problems. You know, every 
club has a different rule. A lot, several, a lot of our dog hunting clubs use a bucket rule, mm-hmm. yeah. which is you roughly know, 14, it's, it's, 15 inches. It's harder to judge a deer when it's being chased by dogs. Nobody's going oh, to yeah. deny 100% that. Hundred percent there. But uh, you know, uh, some clubs have. If you shoot it, you mount it. Some clubs have. If it's a shooter, and I always have people ask me, "What's a shooter?" I say, "If you're asking." Then you, then, don't you don't know. Know. Right. then you don't know. Then you don't know. I had a guy explain to me, and he was he was my age or younger, but he said if it doesn't drop your do- jaw, don't shoot it. Yeah. yeah. And and it's and it's and I have four deer mounted that all four of them drop jaws, but I think it's best way to put it. You can't really hammer it down in stone what's worth shooting, what isn't worth shooting. Yeah. What, what you need to understand once a deer gets to about three and a half or four and a half years of age, four and a half for sure, and you can age deer on the hoof, not to the year, but you know, you, it's like little kids, toddlers. You know, little, you know, teenagers, you know, college age kids, you know, you can age them in groups like that. And once the deer gets like four and a half, if you don't shoot him, he's not going to get any bigger. Mm-hmm. Now, that's fine. You don't, you know, there's no rule that says you have to shoot four and a half year Absolutely. Old bucks. Absolutely. But if you pass him up and think, well, he's going to get bigger next year, you're, you're just. Maybe, maybe not. Well, no, Probably not. No, not. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> now, he might get an injury and get something really unique, you know, get a big busted up antler. Right. But no, he's not going to get, he's not going to gain a bunch of antlers. So there's a deer around my house, Lefty. Who yeah. on his left side has a seven inch kicker slash drop tine and an injury to his back right hoof? Oh yeah. And is there some? Obviously, there's a connection, and he's had it for two years, and he's gotten bigger, it. and his left side's gotten bigger than his right side. It's taken over. Yeah. Is there any explanation to one side taking over with the opposite side injury? No, that but that's very common in deer. People don't believe it, but when a deer injures his back right leg, his left antler will be deformed the rest of his life. He'll have a his back right leg's injured. His right antler will be normal. You know, it'll have it'll come around, have points coming off. Your typical the, points. Le- yeah, yeah, the yeah. left edge will come out like a sore. Or yeah, all or sort bladed of or no brow. And, of course, as he gets older, they'll both get bigger yep. up to a certain point. But, yeah, that's that's a very common uh, condition in deer. I've seen it dozens, hundred, maybe a hundred more times. You know, the, and I, there's no explanation for the extra growth or less growth. It's just no. it affects the opposite yeah, oh, side. Yeah, it, it just grows. Now, front right injury still affect the left side, or is it mainly in the rear? The only place I know is in the rear. It could be front, but I know the rear for, for, for a fact. Rear opposite side. Rear opposite okay. side. Yeah, I'd, uh, I think it was 15 years ago, we had one running around our club had uh, had an injury, and they had a, kind of like a look like something had just gotten to it and chewed it all up, and a perfect right side, and mm-hmm. and uh, everyone was like, man, you know, we need to probably just go ahead and take him out because he, he he seemed like he was hurt, but he we had a name for him, and I can't you remember. See him year after year, but he always hung fine. out. You always saw, you saw him hung, hanging out with the does. He was always with does. It was very strange. We ended up, I ended up shooting him late in the season. Uh, was he big? Yeah, it was a good-sized deer. Uh, I can't remember the weight. And this was 15, 18 years ago. But uh, uh, it was, you know, same thing. We, you know, he had he had that uh, left-side injury with a right-side issue on his yeah. antlers. Um, so there's definitely truth to My that. My first man. guess was going to be an uh, antler doe, which it, oh, it, how, yeah. how frequent is that? Because that's similar to like a bearded hen, okay, turkey. That's a great question. i got a great story i got to tell. The, uh, there's two kind of antler does. There's the antler doe that has little spikes, which has velvet on them. And what she is is a, a, a normal doe that just has high testosterone, testosterone levels, and she okay. can actually have fawns. Okay. Okay. You follow me? Yep. You know, so she can breed. Then there's a deer that hunters call uh, antler does. They have big polished antlers. You follow me? You know, 10-point antlers, polished. It's a pseudo-hermaphrodite. What it means is... And deer hunters will understand this, although it's going to sound crude, is it has a, 
a female fixture, but male plumbing. Got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to my tribe. Yeah, right. Know, sure. You know, so the outside when the hunter shoots it, that's a doe. Internally, it's got testicles, which produce testosterone, hence it goes through an antler cycle. Right. Obviously can't breathe. And she'll never right. breathe. She's yeah, sterile. It, yeah. It's, yeah. But uh, a great story I've got is uh, when I came here 30 years ago, the first decade I was here, over in Franklin County, the two deer hunters, uh, Bill Cochran wrote this article. He was a real great sports writer. And the guy was, they were muzzleloader hunting, I'm going to tell it quick, and the guy shot, pow. So his friend got down and started walking to him. And he, he, when he gets close enough, he yells to him, what'd you shoot? He, uh, I shot a doe. And the guy yells back, well, why'd you shoot a doe? Because she has 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> is there any way to tell on the hoof for the untrained eye? Uh, yeah, when you got them in hand, I mean, they're antler. You know, well, I mean, pre-shot, there's almost no way to tell. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, they, look, they look like buck. I mean, internally, they are a buck. Yeah. You know. Just externally. Uh, externally, they're they look a like a no. hmm. it's, I'm sure it's, you'd have well, to talk you, to A friend of mine shot his, shot his first buck. It was a five-point doe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we hunted we, for years and we, shot yeah. a number of does. We had DMAP cooperators turn them in. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you but you do have uh, going back to way I think the beginning of our first episode we did on antler growth when uh, when a young when a young buck uh, it maybe it gets castrated or or it uh, He's his boys on a fence. Or yeah. Something something, yeah. something happens to his his boys. Uh, you know, it depending on where he's at in the antler growth. Like if he shed his, uh, I mean, he might he might leave his antlers might stay. Yeah, they they might not shed at all if if he has no testosterone, right? Well, when the testosterone falls off, is we generally when they shed their when, antlers. when they but shed it, them. But yeah, it depends on what happens in his antler cycle. In fact, it was written up by Aristotle back during the times. This idea of castration of these cervids or deer or these people, these horned animals, uh, you know. So there, we talked about the antler doe. There's a thing called a crypt orchid buck. That we see a lot of, and not a lot. In fact, that's a very bad word. Rare in Virginia, but we see them. It's what people call a cactus buck. Oh, yeah. His antlers, okay. His antlers, yeah. Antlers, he never sheds his antlers. They yep. keep they're on his head. They keep growing. They get this real gnarly cauliflower, nasty velvet look to them. They get bigger and bigger and bigger. What that is, a cryptorchid. His testicles are about the size of a green pea. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so, I've so, read about this. So he has testosterone. Yep. And that that drives the antler cycle, but he never the testosterone never cycles. Okay, like a sine wave. Testosterone right. is like a sine wave, so it never cycles. So his antlers are never cast; they just grow and grow and grow. And we we actually see probably a couple to. And he's velvet his whole life. Velvet his whole life. Okay, okay. It's, it's real nasty. It's actually nasty looking. I'm sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a crypt orchid. Hmm. Yeah. Anything you do that affects testosterone is going to affect the antler cycle because it's run by testosterone. Yeah. My my father's killed a velvet deer. In December, second week of December, and he was missing some of his yeah. carriage, uh, some of his parts. Yeah, that and it was uh, and it was fat. He never went into the breeding cycle. He never went into the working man rut cycle. So it yeah. must have happened that year. You know, maybe he hung him either recently or that, or if you shot him in December, maybe it happened in August or September, and he never went into velvet. He kept yeah. all his fat. He was hanging out with the does. You know, it was just big fat deer. No worries, no life, no I have to breed cycle. Yeah, yeah. those are those are unusual. Like yep. I say, they're not common to by any means. Yeah, he was nice, he was 18, 19 this year, nice, tall. So. Matt, I have one more question for you. 
We did a podcast on the best rifle caliber. Okay. In the state of Virginia for whitetails. With a 300 yard and uh, in criteria. Yeah. 300 yards. 300 yards and 300 in. yards max. For Virginia? What's that? Well, hey, that that's was, long. Well, that's, looking yeah, at the right. looking wait, wait. at the calibers on the table, they were thousand yard caliber. Some <laughs> yeah. of them were. So we we narrowed it down. We did we did eight short action calibers and we did eight long action calibers. Put them in like a tournament bracket form, and then there were two finalists. We'll ask you what's your what would your choice be? One one caliber. First of all, I'd go to hundred yards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> what you what you yeah. think your average Virginia rifle shot is? This is more I, of an I opinion. Wouldn't believe, I wouldn't believe one in a hundred, even close to one in a hundred deer in Virginia are killed at three hundred yards. Right. I would. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. I mean, I, I don't know that number, but I wouldn't even. My guess is right. about one hundred twenty-five yards. The average in Virginia? Yeah. No. It's way, out of way less than that. Yeah, way, way less than that. Mm. Yeah, not unless you're hunting fields. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, no. Over in the part of the state I'm in, no. Uh, best caliber. I'm gonna. I'm gonna defer to. Uh, there's an older gentleman over in the Shenandoah Valley named John Rittenauer. I asked a gentleman down there, he or somebody around here knew him. Maybe Jeff knew him up front. He's okay. run a gun shop in uh, Shenandoah Valley for 50, 60, maybe 70 years. John's, John's up in age. And I asked him the same question one time. I said, okay, you know more about guns than any human being I know. And uh, Present company excluded. No, 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 no. no. I don't mean to hurt y'all's feet. No, no. He ain't hurt my feet. I certainly tip my hat to anybody. No, he's been running a gun store in the Shenandoah Valley. Long time. uh, For way over 50 years. Okay. And uh, his top gun, and this is just what it is, because I asked him the same question. I asked him for top five. Right. His top was 270. 270? That's what won our bracket. That's what won. Okay, I'm just, that's John Rittenhauer's opinion. Yeah, but. John Rittenhauer is yeah. like going to the top of the map. You follow me? Oh, yeah. yeah. Man. Well, wait, so we, yeah. we, but we stack everything up and you start comparing ballistics, energy, like we talked about, just how important energy is. Um, I, you know, for around here, two, it just doesn't get any better than 270. Yeah. Um, 308, 308 was a very a close second. It put up a good fight against it because uh, I'm a 308 fan. I love 308, but I just still. And your 257 I, got an honorable mention. It really did. 257 oh, yeah, did. Roberts did. It was, it was, yeah. it was yeah, up there. Honorable mention. Well, John, in his defense, I asked him top five, and he went from 243 to 30 calibers, and he had 257. Yeah. He had the 6.5. You know, the, the, the there was a Swedish one, I forget. 6555. 6555. 6555. The Creed Moore. Yeah. You know, the 260. He put all together. Yep. He yep. said, those are all the same. They're all the same. You yeah. Know, he said, those three, 257, 243, 270, and then he said 30 caliber. And But he wasn't looking at, like, Magnums. I'm not right. getting into yeah. a particular yeah. gun, but you know, oh, he, so he you, don't need, a, you looking, don't need a Magnum. He was looking for at 308. Yeah, 308's uh, always been a good one. And I uh, have one quick question. I'm yeah, sorry. go ahead. Is there a significant antler growth or deer health associated with a quote acorn year or a non acorn year? Yes. Great question. And, and within the same year. So no, if it's uh, no, the following year or the previous the year? year. Okay. Following year. T plus one. Okay. Think about it, and it goes back to the first show. If they got a lot of acorns, they're going to lay on a lot of fat. Yeah, they're going to go through the winter better. They're going to come out healthier in the spring when they're growing their antlers. Yep, okay. Good bumper crop. Yep. Conversely, mass failure, they're going to go into the fall. They're not going to have that boost of the carbohydrates. They're not going to be as fat going into winter. They're going to come out of winter worse. So, yeah, it bumps. Bumps the next yep. year. It affects the next year, not the current year, T but plus the next one. year. Okay. So last year in this area was a real good uh, acorn year. Should be better. So we should have a very good antler. Should be good antler on paper. Yeah, well, it should help. I mean, it's not going to increase them, you know, 
Yeah, like I have a big, bunch of 40 points. But around. what it did yeah. is it, it improved their condition through the winter. Made life a little easier. And one interesting thing, and uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but when we have a mass, when we have a bumper mass crop, our deer kill generally goes down. And when we have a mass failure, our deer kill generally goes up. And it can really influence deer hunters because they're in a bumper mass crop. They'll call, there's no deer, there's no deer. Because the deer just don't have to move. Yep. Move as much outside of the rut. Right. They yeah. don't have to move as much for food. Yeah. You know, because the only other, only reason a deer moves during deer season is to eat or breed. You follow me? Rut yeah. yep. or food. Yep. Yeah. And so if the food's all laying in the woods everywhere, every tree they walk under, they don't have to move nearly as much so they're not as vulnerable. Conversely, if there are no mass, they got to move more. Yeah. So we, we see a real definite impact in, in hmm. deer harvest numbers with mass crops, especially with hunter's perception of how many deer are there. Every time we have a bumper mass crop, y'all have killed them all. They're all gone. Yeah. But in fact, they're not all gone. They're just not Eating's moving. good. They're yeah. Not, yeah, they're not moving. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's all about moving. You kill deer when they're moving. Yep. You know, very few people shoot a deer in a bed. Right. How important is water? We, um, we've very, talked for very, two hours of food, food, food. How important is water? Very important, but it's not limiting anywhere in Virginia. Like when you get out in Texas or Arizona, water could be limiting, but there's nowhere in Virginia it's limiting. But they have to have have to have access to water every day of their life. How much do you think you drink a day? I have no idea. Okay. Just yeah. but they touch it every day. Yeah, they have to have yep. access they have to, to. They have to have access to water every day of their life. Okay. But, but hunting the water seems like a, such a foreign concept because there is so much water. Well, they do it out in Arizona and it's Yeah, it's very, I can certainly understand they just, they just Texas, outlawed, Arizona. Yeah, they just outlawed trail cameras in Arizona because everybody had their trail cameras on the water holes. Ah. Uh, uh. People wonder why they outlawed okay. trail cameras. It had nothing to do with the you know all the water holes were just had a hundred can. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. paparazzi. Yeah. Who's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking a bath? Yeah. But uh, I've never heard of anybody hunting water. In yeah, I neither. Just now, if you were hunting a swamp, you know, and they were coming in or out of that swamp, like we were talking about earlier, that that would be hunting water, but not because of, like they're drinking it. Correct. Yeah, not the drinking water. Just yeah. The, I like. I mean, yeah. If I'm hunting uh, in, right right along a river or something like that, that's just for for a travel tendency mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm not hunting it because I think they're just going to go for a dip. Yeah. Or, I've seen or, uh, almost zero deer come to the whatever body of water, puddle, creek, river. I'm hunting and stop, take a drink, and leave. Never see it. Right. I know they drink it. Right. I just don't yeah. see it all oh, the time. Have to, they have to have water yep. every day. Yeah. Just like we do. That's right. We crush about two gallons a day, man. Yeah. I'll be a nice 10 pointer in about a couple <laughs> years. <Yeah. laughs> I'm on my way down. <laughs> are you, are you uh, cresting and peaking right now? Yeah. Uh, I crested a year. Definitely. Nothing but a little old spike. Matt, thanks so much for being here yeah, on you. our I podcast. Uh, ton, it, man. man, it was great. Uh, awesome information. Uh, Love working with you guys, DWR. You guys are great. I know uh, you got some new faces in there now, and I know uh, the name change. I'm getting used to it. I still call it the game. It's department, growing on it's, me a little it's, now. It's, I kind of like it. it's DWR. I can get it out a little quicker yep. now. Yeah. Um, you know, a uh, check out some of Matt's articles. Uh, just do a search online. Uh, Matt Knox DWR. Matt Knox Game Department. I know you've got several great articles out there. Um, and of course, check out the website. I think you can probably access a couple of them through the website, the DWR, or yeah, that, or you can email me at uh, Matt Two T's dot Knox K N O X at DWR dot Virginia. You have to spell out the whole word dot gov, and I'd be glad to you know if you if if I mentioned one like the Four Seasons article, the Boone, you know the Antler Growth articles, yep. the Limpy article. I know I mentioned several because uh, I wrote a code article. Right. You did. Yeah. I did. I read that. <laughs> yeah, I read a coyote yeah, article four that's five right. years ago. Uh, random observations on coyotes because I got so many questions. I've written National Forest articles, so I'd be glad to help. You know, 
share those with anyone. Well, hey, you're doing good work. Uh, stick, please stick around yeah. longer. I know you you got what 27 years in, man. P- 29. Please, 29. <laughs> Man. 30 more to go. <laughs> Keep on rocking, man. <laughs> Matt, thanks again for being yeah, here. Thank you very uh, much. Great episode. Uh, again, uh, thanks thanks for listening. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you next time. Be safe. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about Green Top at greentophuntfish.com.